0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. We've got sunshine. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Go, mm-hmm. Everybody's writing. Are you taking sermon notes before I even start? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hmm. The beginning verse for our new series on following Jesus. Anybody interested in following Jesus? Amen. Okay, I see some hands. Good, good, good. Uh, we're we're going to be looking at transformation in the book of John. and We're going to have uh, four more messages that will come and, and will just kind of help us understand the different individuals and the transforming engagement of the Lord Jesus with each one and how it changed their lives. So we're going to be looking forward to that. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. <clears throat> Here we're in Eastertide, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus all the way up until Pentecost. And even after Pentecost, we'll still be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. That's something that we never take off the table. But then uh, we're, we're going to be moving out of Eastertide into the wonderful time of Pentecost. So we find that in this season, when, when we realize that the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is now available to us, it's like, Lord, I want to experience this transforming power. Romans 8 11 says and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Wow Jesus lives in us by the Holy Spirit and is continually at work to conform us daily into his own likeness, the likeness of Christ. I love that. In Romans chapter eight, verse 29 says, "'For God knew his people in advance, "'and he chose them to become like his son, "'so that his son would be the firstborn "'with many brothers and sisters.'" You're chosen to be like him, to be like him. He wants many, many, many sons and daughters. And today we're going to look at how does that happen? How is it that we get to look like Jesus? What is that process that takes place? The process of transformation, experiencing the resurrection of Jesus in ways that change our daily lives and impact all our relationships. Our relationships at work, within our home, and it impacts our entire way of being in the world. Well... Fortunately, we have the Scripture that helps us see these glimpses and and these uh, uh, snapshots of individuals that are radically changed as a result of an encounter with the Lord. And so here in the Scripture, we see what takes place for transformation. And thank God for all the accounts that are in the Scripture that helps us behold that. If the sun sets you free... mm, What is transformation? To be transformed is to change. It's all about changing. And us human beings, we just love change, don't we? Some of you are sitting in the same chair every week. (laughs) And uh, some of you uh, aren't in the same chair because someone took your chair. (laughs) Transformation, change, isn't easy, is it? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. To change means that something's got to be altered in some way. And for us, the alterations that we want is an alteration that brings us greater freedom. We want the kind of change that gets us out of the things that we get stuck in, the things that hinder us, the things that bind us, We want to move into that which allows a greater freedom. A greater freedom in in how we think. Anybody need some new thoughts? I'm just amazed at how negative some of our thoughts just get. You know, something happens and we go to the worst case scenario nine times out of ten. It's like, it irritates me that I get so negative. I told you many times that I thought that my, one of my very first spiritual gifts was the gift of criticism, (laughs) but it's not in the list. And uh, it's like the freedom so that we can get out of those thoughts. (laughs) Freedom, a greater freedom in our emotions. Some of us, we've we've not emoted (laughs) since childhood. We were told, stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. And we stopped crying ever since. And we've got, we've got swamps of sadness that the Holy Spirit wants to drain inside of us. We want a greater freedom in our bodies. <clears throat> Sometimes we call that range of motion, flexibility. Um, sometimes for me it's just losing some weight so I can bend over and tie my shoes. It's like, Lord, let's have greater freedom in our bodies. Let's see what that looks like as well, <laughs> and in our spirits. So often we we've come into relationship with God through Christ by the Holy Spirit. And we're able to go as far as receiving forgiveness of our sins. And we, we, we have the assurance that we will spend eternity with the Lord. And then we quarantine that and section that as if we can compartmentalize that. And then we go on with life. There's so much more in the spirit to experience. And I, I trust, as as we've celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that that Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is actively just wooing you in ways of saying, "Would you like to see more? Would you like to know me more intimately? Yes. Would you like to see what I can do with you, yes. in you, yes. through you? Yeah." Transformation is about change, and change is about freedom. The living God is in the transformation, change, and freedom business. And that's what he's after with his kids. He wants to see us change. He wants to see us be conformed to the image of his son. He wants us to see uh, the true freedom that his love and grace has secured for us everybody in agreement Um, (laughs) (laughs) then why is it uh, we get stuck what is it that happens that that kind of uh, hamstrings us it it brings us to a, a stop what's going on well we got a problem Houston we've got a problem it's called sin I think a lot of times we're in different camps and some of us, we spend all our energy focusing on sin. And so we make up all the rules and as long as we're abiding by the rules, we know we're not sinning. But then when we break the rule, then we are sinning and now we've lost our salvation and we've got to get saved again and ask Jesus to forgive us. And, And so we become kind of like neurotic sin watchers. We're constantly conscious of sin. We have more faith in our ability to sin than we do in his ability to lead us in righteousness. And it's like, okay, we need a shift, but we do have to understand at the root of our problem, it's it's part of the problem that all humanity has. And that's a problem with sin. Something always gets in the way. It's trying to put its roots deep down into our hearts. It, it's infiltrated our thinking, our attitudes, and, and oftentimes even our body. A lot of times our unforgiveness moves into bitterness. The ulcers within the stomach, the hardening of, of our blood vessels, you know, just all sorts of bad stuff. I've got one book in my office that's called The Body Bears the Burden. And when we don't deal with our relational, our emotional, and our spiritual issues, guess what? It usually finds a way of attaching to something in one of the organs of our bodies. See, as human beings, we're, we're created in the image of God. There's something absolutely beautiful about being human. But because of sin, that has been marred and has been veiled And oftentimes we can't even see the beauty of his image, both masculine and feminine, that we are created in. So sin is our propensity to miss the mark of God's design by making ourselves the center of our story rather than God. We are designed to worship God, honor God, and be transformed by God into the likeness of Jesus. Was it not on the board? It Okay. Should be slide seven. <laughs> I I want us to, to to realize this because I hear this a lot when I'm helping people and and when they get stuck and they're getting out of stuck and they're growing and they're maturing and and they're starting to understand a little more about the journey with the Lord and the kingdom and walking in the Spirit. But I, I, my ear has been attuned to when they become the center of the story, they're still not getting something, right. you know? And, and so it's like, well, I just got to try harder. Well, I've got to read more in the scriptures. Well, I've just got to up my prayer life. Well, I just, and, and whatever it is, you know, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop doing that. I got to stop. I got to do, I got to do, I... Anytime that's the focus, guess who's the center? It's you. It's me. It's like it doesn't work that way. You will become the most exhausted religious addict the world has ever known if you're trying to manage your walk with God with you being at the center. There's only one way that this thing works, and that's when he's at the center. Now, for him to get at the center, we have to to realize we've got a problem, and we've got to step aside and allow him to take the throne. We've got to allow him to be the center. Now, the interesting thing is, once he gets the center, guess where he wants you? Right next to him. Sometimes he wants you on his lap sometimes he wants you close so that he can embrace you sometimes he wants to partner with you the the beauty of the walk in the journey with god of transformation is that he wants us to know the full reality of being created in his image what does that mean he wants us to experience the things that he experiences i think that's amazing like what the joy of forgiveness. He wants us to be able to forgive someone who's done something against us so that we can realize, oh, Father, he's not not releasing forgiveness to me stingily. He's doing it with a heart of love. It's not like, oh, I can't show my face to him because I've done it again. No. When we ask for forgiveness and we receive his forgiveness, it is so refreshing, so amazing. And as we begin to live in that, we realize, you know, when we have been forgiven, we can now extend that forgiveness to someone else. It's impossible to forgive someone if you haven't been forgiven. For you to know the fullness of forgiveness from God to you, brings a, an opportunity, an environment for you to be the most forgiving person on the planet because you've been forgiven. And you know what happens if, if we realize how much we've been forgiven? There's, there's almost a correlation that Jesus equates several times in the Gospels is that to the one who's been forgiven much, they love much. I don't know about you, but I want to love more and more. That means I got to receive love. That means I've got to realize how much I've been forgiven and how much love he's lavished upon me. And I've, I've told you, you know, I've confessed my, my theological restriction at this point that, you know, I really delight and I love talking about the love of God. But you remember the whipped cream illustration? Who hasn't heard the whipped cream illustration? Okay, we've got a few. Okay, Everybody, it's going to have to be repeated. <laughs> you know, I was just I was just learning about paying attention to those those moments when I start to feel something inside that seems to be uh, not appropriate to the environment, or, or I'm bristling, or I, I've got a problem with so- something that's being said, or something like that, and and. I was in this meeting and the guy was just talking about the father lavishing his love upon us. And I loved his illustration. He had a table, he had a bowl and, and he put this bowl out there and he had this huge can of whipped cream and he started just in inside the bowl, just filling the bowl up with the lavish love of God. And I'm just saying, Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you. You love me so much. This is so good. Yes, yes, yes. And then. He just kept going and the love just kept pouring out and it went outside the the container of the bowl and it was on the table and then it was off the table on the floor and something inside me started. Lord, don't waste your love on me. See, I was fine theologically with the Lord loving me and pouring out his love to a point. But when it got to where it was messy, I started to question the stewardship of God. (laughs) God, that's enough. I know you love me, and that's good. But but there's, there's places your love needs to go besides just me. You know, just... Okay, Revelation, I think God is restricted on how much love he has. I think there is a limited quantity of divine love. And so therefore, if Matt's gonna get the kind of love that he needs, then he needs to not put so much in my bowl, he needs to start squirting some more in Matt's. And it's like, oh, he's got enough for everybody in the room. And I realized I had a wrong thought about the love of God. I was thinking it was limited. It was, it was measured. And He wants us to know that He wants to lavish His love upon us. Because the more love we've received, guess what? The more love flows through us to others. Pretty soon, kind of the, the projection of love from our lives goes beyond just your hug, but now you start to have a, a radius of love that's emanating from you and is starting to affect the environment everywhere you go. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to reflect his love and glory. And so as we as we go about our, our, our life, it's good stuff. His love is in no way restricted. Limited. (sighs) So who's at the center? Let's keep Jesus at the center. Let's be conformed to his likeness. Mm. It's going to be an interesting stretch. We're all at different places. But I find that the Holy Spirit knows exactly where we are and where to encourage us so that we'll start making some movement towards the next level of intimacy with him. So continue to, to take the steps that are before you, and you'll find that you're, you're moving right along on this journey of transformation. For some folks, it's just amazing. They, they come, they know Jesus, and man, their life is like dark and now full of light. And it's like, wow. And then some, it's like they're dark, they're a little less dark. They're dark gray, they're getting grayer, they're a light gray, and, and, and it just, it progresses so slowly. But you know what, if I see anything in the scriptures, God's not in a hurry. We're the ones that get in the hurry. We think, well, before I'm you know 50, I gotta have my PhD. No, 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 <laughs> my PhD in discipleship, no, we're just continuing to grow, and long as we're moving, all's well. It's when we get stuck that we need to cry out for help. So I love this. Even as as brothers and sisters, as we talk, and as as we're in conversation, when, when, when you start to get spiritual ears, you'll start to notice that someone still thinks it's all about them. And they may have been walking with the Lord for... Fifty years, but but when they speak, they're not speaking from a Christ-centered point of view. They're speaking from a self-centered point of view. It's like, hmm, Lord, so far everybody in this room, we still got room to grow. There's none of us that have that have mastered this, because you don't master the master. <laughs> you stay a student your whole life. So Jesus is our example. So what is Jesus like? First of all, Jesus is self-aware. He is absolutely self-aware. Unlike us. How many times have we had moments that all of a sudden we had no idea that was what we were feeling or thinking? I'm getting ready for a, a daughter that's getting ready to move her family down to San Antonio Texas and uh, it's like I've got a I've got an interesting coping mechanism system that uh, I just kind of put it on hold until they're gone I do that on a lot of things my wife she starts grieving immediately as soon as she hears the word and and I, I've told you the story that house un- Unself-aware I am, uh, when my youngest daughter went off to college, everybody was out of the house, we were empty nesters, and as I got up one morning and I went down the hall, we lived in Plainfield, the FedEx jets flew right over our house, so we all learned the fine art of sleeping with a box fan on high. Ooh. And I went down the hallway, and there was no box fan noise coming from her room and I started bawling. I had no idea that going to college was going to affect me like that. So all the intercessors, you know what to do when I connect with my emotions about my daughter going to San Antonio. Keep me on your prayer because when that hits it's like so I'm at Culver's with with Two of my granddaughters, and there's my baby granddaughter, and Zoe's eating. And as she's just saying, "Papa," for about the 7,000th time. (laughs) I could feel it welling up, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to hear that. And the grief started to begin. Jesus is self-aware. We need to be moving more like Jesus and becoming more self-aware of what's going on inside of us. Jesus is emotionally whole. (laughs) And that's why we're doing emotionally healthy spirituality, because most of us, we can know Bible verses out the wazoo. We can have theology and doctrine out, you know, we can be an academic believer, but emotionally we're stuck at 5, 12, 16. You know, we, we need to emotionally heal and develop. Jesus was absolutely emotionally whole. He cried. He didn't hide. He dealt with things as they came up. Hmm. He expressed anger. He expressed love. He expressed courage unbelievably. Jesus is not afraid of the future. Hmm. So many folks are so afraid of the future. I'm amazed at how many believers are worried about what ifs. And it's like, okay, I understand. These are interesting days that we're living in. Crazy climate out there, politically, uh, relationally, all sorts of issues, but the Lord's still on the throne. Jesus trusts the Father no matter what's happening around him. Circumstances never broke his ability to stay in trust connection with the Father. <laughs> so it's almost like, man, if we could see Jesus as he is, and then being like Jesus, how, how would being like Jesus take care of all sorts of heartache, headache, troubles, toils, difficulties in our life because here we are we work hard we try to influence people we handle our pains and our struggles in such a way that usually our personal desires not gods are on the throne of our soul and that's where the trouble begins the majesty that we're created in His image gets overshadowed and eclipsed by the marring work of sin that works within us Oftentimes we're not self-aware, we're not emotionally whole, we're not unafraid of the future, and we're not perfectly trusting in the Lord, the Father, in the midst of our circumstances. In other words, we have a problem, we have a sickness, and only Jesus can heal it. But it's not just to heal the problem. Healing the problem is the springboard for connection and deepening intimacy relationally with Him. See, that's where we get in trouble. Oftentimes, religiously, we're we're just trying to get rid of the bad, and we don't really focus on why do we deal with the, the sin. It's because it separates, it hinders, it has an effect on my relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want to have a a deepening, growing relationship. So I must deal with it. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Hmm. For Jesus' transformation was and is a, a freedom process that begins in the heart. <clears throat> if we have not experienced the healing, liberating love of God, then we'll never be free to experience the love of God, the love of self the love of others, or the love of creation around us. Did he say love of self? Yes. Yeah. It's only as we as we get connected and we address the issue of sin and we begin to receive the love of the Father that we begin to love ourselves the way he intended us to love ourselves. Not a narcissism, not an egocentricism, <laughs> but a true godly love for ourselves. I don't know about you, but there's been times when I have encounters with the Lord and I experience his love, that I am able to be more loving and gracious toward myself. And that's always an incredible indicator that I've had an authentic encounter with the Lord. That was a legitimate experience with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You know, that, that was something that was supernatural. But I also found, one of, the, one of the ways that I know that I've really had an encounter with the Lord is that creation, creation takes a new place. I remember, you know, after I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and received some spiritual gifts from him. And as I was walking the class, I saw things I'd never seen before in creation. My wife loves creatures and loves flowers. And I notice them sometimes. And all of a sudden I start seeing creation differently. You know, she goes crazy about seeing a squirrel or a, a, a llama. You know, if you're on 40 and you go down there and she always, the alpacas, the llamas, she, sees, she just goes crazy over that stuff. And all of a sudden, you find that as His love begins seeking into you, your love for Him, your love for yourself, your love for others, and your love for creation increases. Now you might be drawn more to the mountains or toward the ocean, the the lake or the prairie, don't know, but your love for creation increases. And I find that to be so amazing. I love it. The Holy Spirit, is behind the amazing unseen work that brings freedom. Why do you think we get doctrinally bent out of shape about the Holy Spirit and the church? The enemy knows that the Holy Spirit is the key operative person of the Godhead that brings the freedom to us. So if we want to stay enslaved to our religious practices and rules and regulations, just don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Receive Jesus as your Savior, God as your Father, and Holy Spirit as an it, and you just slide him off to the side. No, the Holy Spirit is a person, and as you build relationship with that person, you will find an increase in freedom and transformation. To read all of Romans 12:1 and two, <clears throat> it says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So in this series, Following Jesus, we're going to see how God encounters three individuals and what transformation comes into their lives as a result of their encounter with Jesus. I'm excited about this and uh, just wanting to see everything that he does. We're going to be looking at the woman at the well, Nicodemus and Mary of Bethany, and see how Jesus brought transformation into their lives in the Gospel of John. <clears throat> if we practice obeying Jesus' commands and responding to his love, like the people and the stories that will follow, we can trust that we are being changed into his likeness. It's a lifetime adventure. For some of us, we, we have moments of, of kind of mark change, and then it, it may slow down, and then mark change, but we just need to continue to keep moving. We're going to be growing. And God have mercy on any of us that think we've arrived, that somehow we've, we, we've, we've got our Eagle Scout in the spirit, and, and that somehow we have, we have come to, to receive it. So this Eastertide, we're going to look at these stories Let the transforming presence of the Holy Spirit free you from the stuff that needs to be freed. Give the freedom so that you can follow and obey and your love can increase. So who wants to be transformed? Just some practical things as we go through this series. You may want to get out your journal. Uh, This week is going to be the woman at the well next Sunday. That's John chapter four, and it almost covers the whole chapter. By the time you get Jesus' encounter with the woman, then the disciples' conversation with Jesus after that, and then with the Samaritan village coming out and coming to faith with Jesus, not only because of what the woman's testimony was, but because now they have seen him for themselves. Just an amazing chapter, John chapter four. Get your pen, your Bible, your notebook, and be ready to uh, just spend some time and allow the Holy Spirit to bring transforming understanding as the, the Lord reveals from the scripture. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast.